Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode. Yes, yes, another. It just keeps coming. Another episode of Yumi Empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am a sensitive little bean. And uh, I'm the creator of the show. Started almost five years ago. I'm also the founder of the Feely Human Collective, where we together, not apart, together, hand in hand, Arm in arm, heart to heart, care bears staring, staring hearts into each other's faces or hearts. Uh, <laughs> uh, we grow our capacity for empathy and vulnerability and emotional curiosity. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's my heart. It's everything. If you want to join the community, go to feelyhuman.co. This is episode 231 on More Than You See with Deborah Lee Smith. Deborah is an actor. She's a writer. She is a feely human. She has her own podcast called More Than You See and a mental health website called More Than You See with a ton of wonderful resources. Deborah has been open about her own journey in mental health. And in this conversation, we talk about listening to our bodies. We talk about Deborah's experience with a prolonged panic attack. We talk about why there's no shame or failure in divorce and how there's always more than you see. If only we look, we listen, soften, and be curious. Isn't that true? Hmm. I really love this chat. really love this conversation. really cherish Deborah and am grateful that she was on the show. Before we get to the episode, though, first, if you're listening to this today, July 25th, it's my birthday. Yay! <laughs> um, I'm 41 years old, which is, you know, just a number. It's all just numbers, right? And uh, if you want to celebrate with me, one way to celebrate is to join my email list for Feely Human. Uh, if you uh, if you uh, listen to the bonus episode that I released a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago at this point about the future of the feely human community. In October, I will be moving away, kind of sort of transitioning away from Instagram. Not fully, but I will be creating a private community where we can engage deeper. And um, yeah, just I just want to serve you better. I want to see your heart and uh, uh, ask how you're feeling without robots getting in the way. I just want to connect deeper and more on a more uh, feely level. And um, so if uh, if you would like to hear more about that as that comes into fruition, 
Or if you just want to be a part of the monthly-ish, you know, it's quarterly-ish at this point, uh, newsletter that I send out. It's kind of the only place I write nowadays. So if you want to go to feelyhuman.co and just click on the little uh, banner at the top there that says stay connected and subscribe. I don't send spam. I am I am not, uh, you know, trying to sell you on, I don't know, muscle creams. Muscle creams? I don't know what that is. You know, muscle uh, stuff or, or, you know, supplements or, you know, any of anything like that. It's really just me uh, having a conversation with you and uh, keeping in touch with what's going on in the Feelyverse. So, if you could do that for me for my birthday, go go to feelyhuman.co, subscribe to the newsletter. That'd be great. And if you haven't, if you're still listening to this and have not left a review in Apple Podcasts, I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, I'm just, uh, the broken record has been broken. It has been taken to the dump. It has been... Uh, recycled or or just you know uh, disintegrated back into the earth at this point so if you haven't left a review please do that it does help out the show running a podcast by yourself um is hard and can be lonely and so sometimes seeing those reviews where you tell me that like oh i love this show because such and such, or this episode I related to, such and such. This is why I do this show. The reason I started it is to create a space that I wanted, I create a space for people to be seen in their wholeness, to show up and listen and learn and reflect, and to allow my guests to share their stories and be vulnerable, to allow you, the listener, to connect and relate. That's empathy. So, if you have been moved or if you have related to this show at all, uh, a review would be lovely. So, um, yeah. So, subscribe to the newsletter. Leave reviews. Um, I guess that's all I want to say at this point. Give uh, Deborah Lee Smith a follow. She's on Instagram. I'll make sure to include the links to the show notes at feelyhuman.co, uh, which is also where you can write um, you can collab on workshops. I got a shop, uh, as well with some stuff, um, that's starting to dwindle, but there's some stuff still there, pins and stickers and whatnot and mugs. So check that out. Oh, the last thing I'll say is if you're listening to this and you ordered, you pre-ordered the Dear Childhood Me Journal, uh, and you want to share it on social media, I will be happy to like reshare and stuff. So tag Feely Human at Feely Human. I'd love to see I'd love to see your journals in the wild. That'd be awesome. Okay. Let's get to the episode. This is, like I said, episode 231 on More Than You See with Deborah Lee Smith. You, 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 
Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a brave place designed to inspire the beauty in each of us because each of us in all of our kaleidoscopic parts makes up a magical whole that deserves to be seen. Today, I am more than you see. In fact, I am a silly boy who once got kicked out of a water park for life as a teenager. True story. Because I'm here with actor, producer, dog mom. That's the most important bit. Mental health advocate and more than you see founder. It's Deborah Lee Smith. Hello, Deborah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. That was the best intro that I've ever had. And I feel like I need to write it on my bathroom mirror and like see it every morning. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. I'm going I'm, to. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, I'm grateful you're here, Deborah. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the thick of it. How are you feeling? We always kick off the show with an emotional check in. So, how are you feeling? You know, I'm actually feeling pretty great right now. I um, just, yeah, had surgery a couple weeks ago. And like that was um, a physical, you know, difficult experience for my body. But Mm -hmm. the emotional side of it was that it forced me to do nothing for a week, which is really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to say no to a bunch of things. I had to cancel a bunch of things. Of course, I had like overscheduled myself and thinking that I was going to be able to handle everything after, you know, three days after surgery. That was incorrect. Yeah. Um, and so that slowdown actually really forced me to look at what was important in my life. And so, you know, I'm three weeks after that, and I feel like I'm still on a bit of a high from really prioritizing the things in my life that matter to me mm-hmm. and like giving myself huge amounts of grace for having just had surgery and therefore not being able to do everything that I thought I was going to be doing. Um, so physically it was difficult emotionally. I think it was like one of the best things that has happened to me in the last couple of years. So that is how I'm doing right now. Wow. I I love that. There's a certain surrender to that, right? Definitely. Like there's we all experience uh, pain or struggle or or interruptions or disruptions to our daily lives, right? Our routines that we hold on to so dearly uh, mm-hmm. and love because they give us value and they give us a certain contentedness and then life happens, right? Stuff gets in the way and we have to no, we have to, but there is there is and there is wisdom in the serenity of of letting go a little bit in those moments and allowing yourself to see like, hey, I'm reflecting here. I can't move too much. It would be too. Mm-hmm. It would be harmful to me. Let's let's go inward. Yeah, I love that. I I wonder what 
what were some of those things that you rooted yourself in? Like you said, it sort of brought you back to like focusing on the stuff that matters to you. What were some of those things? Yeah. I mean, it's everything you said is so true. And and it, it's not just a surrender. It was like a forced surrender mm. um, because yeah. I can tell myself all day long, Deborah, you need to slow down. You need to focus. You need to stop taking on too much. You need to prioritize your mental health. You need to whatever. And I won't. And it wasn't until I, like you said, literally moving would be harmful that I was like, well, crap. Okay, now I am forced to do nothing. And that was just so helpful for me. Um, some of the things that I have focused on is I have a, a script that I wrote last summer that is about I lived and worked in the construction industry in Australia for three years. And I've written a script about it and I shared it with um, my partner. And he read it and he was like, This is incredible. How have you not? put more work into this and um because it's just a first draft and it's very like chicken scratchy and whatever mm-hmm. and, I, and so then that was like one of the things where like i reread it and i was like this is good i should work <laughs> on this okay so i'm yeah i'm like diving back into that um that's I'm exciting just, like, yeah i'm really i'm really excited it's um i did fly in fly out in construction in australia and that is um, you know, means that you leave your home, you fly into site for mm. three, three weeks, four weeks, whatever the roster that you're on, and you live and work on site with these people. So you wow. see the same 500 people for three weeks, and then you fly home and you're home for a week. Um, and then you repeat that cycle. And I did that for three years, and it was one of the most emotionally taxing things in my life, but also there's such camaraderie and it's just such an interesting culture that hasn't been explored at all Mm. in film. And so that's, that's what it's about. It's about a woman, myself, who um, goes and experiences the sexism, but also just the general trials of being separated from your family and being forced to find your own purpose and your own family in the outback. Hmm. So I'm 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 excited about it. I think it's I think it's going to be a fun ride for everyone. So. Like a reverse crocodile Dundee. Yeah, kind of. And it's like <laughs> and it, and you know it's it, it's interesting because of course I was one of you know maybe five ten women on site out of five hundred six hundred men. Um, the role that I was in, I had to do like tell a lot of older 60 year old white men what to do. And they did Mm. not appreciate that. I was, you know, 23 at the time. Um, so I, and I looked like 15. So it was, it was a really important part of my life. Um, and it, it really impacted me still today and, and how, how much, that how much I learned about myself, how much I learned about interacting with people. Um, and so I'm really trying to bring all of that into the movie. I love so that. I'm excited. What, what uh, brought you out there? Like what inspired you to go out to the Outback and do that type of work? Yeah. So I, um, 
I got my master's degree in film production in Australia and mm. then met my ex-husband on um, within the first week of me moving to Australia. And I was 22. And uh, we, you know, I finished my degree and then it was, that was 2009 and nothing was happening in the world really, or in the film industry. I mean, like for anyone who, who doesn't know the film industry, like 2008, as well as the housing market crash and the, you know, um, stock market crash. That was also the hugest writer's strike in all of like writer WGA history. So 2008, literally nothing was written. So like nothing happened in the years or like, it was very difficult in the years following for things to kind of like pick back up to normal steam. And so it really was like a a kind of a wasteland as far as opportunity at that point. So when he, he was in construction, he's a surveyor and he had an opportunity to start a company and move to the outback in order to service this job. And at the time I was like, sure, that sounds like something to do. So Mm -hmm. why not? I'll do it. And so I, you know, started this company with him and after about three years, it was, you know, like I said, one of the most emotionally taxing, but also physically taxing things that I experienced. And also the probably actually the start of my own mental health awareness, because in the last like six months that I was working on site, I started to have really strange, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, like when you have neuropathy in your fingers mm. and your hands. And then I started having like, um, I would feel like my hands were on fire or my limbs were on fire. Um, I would have like brain fog. Like I'd be explaining mm. something to one of our workers and, and it's something that I should absolutely know. And I couldn't form sentences. There was, a, it was a lot of weird things. And I went to so many doctors, they had no idea what was going on. And I realized years later when I was reading a book by, um, I believe it was like Tim Ferriss, the 40 hour work week guy. And he was talking about the importance of like finding your purpose and what happens when you don't find your purpose and your passion Mm. in what you're doing in your everyday life. And he was just, he was literally describing the symptoms that I had. And he was talking about how he finally got diagnosed as having a prolonged panic attack. And so it was, I truly believe that that is what was also going on with my body at the time Mm. where it was just like months of just low grade panic about the life that I was living. Yeah. And because of the symptoms that I was having, I wasn't allowed to stay on site because they have very strict uh, medical, you know, regulations that you have to, you know, fall into health stuff. And so I ended up um, moving back to Brisbane, left my partner. I mean, we were still together, but I moved back to Brisbane, stayed with some friends and got back into an acting class. And within a week, my symptoms disappeared. Mm. And so I think it really was my body being like, you are in completely not doing what you are supposed to be doing. I need you to wise up and um, get back to the thing that you know lights you up. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty incredible, important experience for me. And, um, and I'm really grateful that I had it and that I can now work on the script about Mm. it. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's wild. I thank you for sharing. I what is so I think universally important about the moment where you're like being witness to and 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 sort of feeling the physical effects of maybe some some um panic or anxiety or you know mental health is it, I I know that I've had moments, Deborah, where I've just sort of ignored a lot, right? Ignored a lot of that physical manifestations of trauma or a panic or anxiety, and you push it down, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's so damaging. And I I all the more reason for us as humans to to check in on that stuff, to be curious, and also have the space to do so right like mm-hmm. you were able to go to, f- to some friend's house or ha- houses mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. a friend's mm-hmm. house so that's another crucial piece of that story right is like you saw what was happening you felt this isn't right i need to change this for myself first right. honoring choice second honoring choice and part privilege right is to say like mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna go here because i need to remove myself from this situation 100 percent. Yeah, I mean it's a crucial part of it, and I think um, just a re- you know for folks listening, just a reminder that like we need people in our lives who will be there for us in that way, house us, whatever we may need, and we need to check in on ourselves always. Absolutely, yeah. and I think also like to take it a step further, it's not just the check in; it's also the seeking the answer that you like innately potentially no. And, Mm. um, and, and really just continuing to, to find those answers because, you know, I didn't find like, I, I saw so many doctors and they were so unhelpful and most of them blamed it on like, well, you're a woman. So like, like no joke, they were like, you're a woman. And so these are, you know, like, is, was it at this time of the month? Like, that's why you're having, you know, so not surprising. um, yeah, no, not at all. But um, it it was important, and and it was so clarifying. And this this is something you know that I've kind of focused on with my um, mental health platform is is finding an unconventional answer for something, and then and then like continuing to dive into that knowledge. So like the idea that it was the idea that like I read in a random like entrepreneur book about a prolonged panic attack. Like I never, I didn't even realize that was a thing. I didn't know you could have a panic attack for six months. Like that's insane. Um, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's a form of anxiety. It's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. just the way that your body is reacting to the situation and just telling, telling yourself that you need to change your environment and what's going on. And, and that certainly does come with a lot of privilege, but I, I am so like grateful now that I have that knowledge and I know what happened. And so then I can, you know, share my experience, but also if I have something in the future that happens, that's weird with my body, I can go like, I just don't think that's right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and listen to that. Like, I think that that's also that intuition that we have when it comes to our body. And, And it's something that I think that you have to grow and you have to like, you know, not ignore when your body gives you signs because, um, 
your body is just an, another, it's such an important part of us, but it, I, I often feel sometimes like my body's another being, like my mind is one being and my body's another being. And I'm just learning how to connect those two mm-hmm. every day yep. and, I and feel just that. really listen to myself. Yeah. So what, uh, speaking, like taking it a step further from there, like how did that listening and intuition lead to, from what I heard maybe correctly, is like leaving your husband, leaving your partner? Well, so that actually, we we actually did stay together for a while after that. Like we weren't married at that point. We actually did get married a couple of years later. Okay. Um, and uh, he ended up coming with me to the US when I moved back to the US and got back into acting. Um, and then we split up mm, maybe four years ago, right? Right when I started the mental, my mental health platform okay. um, or about six months after is when I started more than you see. And so that, you know, was an experience in itself. I, I do have to say though, that even, even the, the, ending of that relationship did require a lot of intuition on my part as well. Um, and, and I have to say that like, it was, I was also, you know, 22 when we met. And I think that the amount that we change between 22 and 30 is so huge. And that we often, like think that we change so much into in college and all that kind of thing. But I think that like when we're out of college and then forced to make our way in the world and like figure out how we're going to spend our life, especially because there might be so many changes during that time. I think that it's so key, you know, for us to just acknowledge that we're going to be doing a lot of shifting and changing and growing during that time. And that's okay. And, um, and it's definitely important to have a partner that, um, you know, if you choose to have one that, that supports you in all of those changes and you're able to support them in all of those changes. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, Mm -hmm. because I changed a lot between 20 and 30. I've changed even more between 30 and 40. I'll be 41 Mm -hmm. in July. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we have to allow for people to change because mm-hmm. change is necessary. Yep. Because change is growth, change is perspective, change is like, uh, you know, the shedding of bias and assumptions. It's, it's growing, it's learning, it's expanding, and it's beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's hard too. Like, I know for myself, I was a very different person when I met my partner, Jessica. Mm-hmm. We've been together for 15 years. Very different person. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, I think, record an episode about how much we've changed. And it's going to be very embarrassing for me. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I also have to give myself the grace, right? That you were talking about before and understanding that like, hey, look at how far I've come. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And I want to continue to, I want to, in another 15 years, look back at where I'm at now at 40 and be like, wow, look at how far you've come. Like, that's great. Totally. And we need the people that can see it and hold it for us and be mm-hmm. safe for us, right? Right. What, what are some of the ways that you grew, you know, obviously checking in you know, and having some more awareness around your health, but like maybe some other ways that you grew and expanded yourself 
from 22 when you met your first husband or your mm-hmm. first partner to mm-hmm. when you split to now or to now yeah. or to, or yeah. I mean, to when I split, I think that, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful person. I do think that, I mean, he's Australian and I do think that there is a difference in Australian mentality when it comes to gender roles. Mm. Um, that is, you know, that is different a little bit. And I think that innately or not, there was, it it was, I think it was difficult for me to shift my focus so much from this business that we built together to now following my own path and saying, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And I need to build this other career for myself. And of course, I want you to come with me and support me and whatever. Um, but I think that was difficult for him to mm-hmm. to see that shift, that huge shift. Because I mean, I'm a freaking great partner and great supporter. And like we built this multi-million dollar company and it was really difficult for him to go, oh, okay, now you're giving this up. Um, and I think that, you know, we both tried to make that, to make it work. Um, I think also just the difference in, you know, Australia versus America um, and the distance and all of that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. we just, we just realized that we wanted different things out of partners. And I think that it's so interesting, the cliches that you hear as far as like, you know, the red flags you see in the beginning of the relationship, they'll be there at the end. Like all of those things, mm-hmm. I never truly believed in them until my marriage ended. And the things that we ended over were the same things that I was worried about in the first year, exactly the same. And we were together for 10 years. And interestingly enough, my partner now, who is also um, divorced and was with his previous partner for 17 years. Um, I think both of us, at least I can speak for myself, any, I have zero red flags and anything that is even slightly orange or anything that I'm like, Hey, I'm concerned about this, whatever. I talk to him about it immediately and we resolve it. And it's just the amount of like transparency um, that we have is incredible. But I also have to say, I have learned how to be so transparent and vulnerable with my partner 100% because of the therapy that I went through and still have after having um, gone through a really horrific divorce. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'm so grateful for that experience because it is, it has led to me becoming the, you know, well-rounded, caring, um, like empathetic partner that I am now. Yeah. I'm grateful to hear that because there's this, and maybe you felt it, maybe you didn't, and I'm, I'm hoping you didn't, but if you did, mm-hmm. you're human too. There's this underlying societal thing that's like, looks at marriage and when it ends, it's like capital F failure, you know, and, and especially mm-hmm. there's this like baggage for women in particular. That's like, yep. uh, you know, you did the thing, it's your fault, which seems so 
hateful and, and, and misogynistic. Um, did you feel any of that? Did you get any of that from people in your oh, life? Definitely. 100 percent and 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 of course you know not only i so prescribed the idea that you that we go to therapy for the people that aren't going to therapy like i 100 percent feel that and there was certainly i certainly had some family members that were like that that they felt like failures because of my marriage ending yeah and so then they were putting their failure on me um which was unhelpful um and so, yeah, I absolutely did. And I think that, you know, I, I released an episode of my podcast in November of um, this past year, 2021, November 8th. And the reason that I released it was because that was my wedding anniversary. Mm. And I released it that day to talk about my divorce and to talk about the, you know, ending this idea of people saying like, I'm sorry, when you get divorced, because I think that that potentially there's a point in my life when I needed to hear that and I needed to hear um, that sympathy. But I also think that it was a bit misguided. And now I'm so grateful that I went through that experience. And I think that we really need to like leave space for people who were in horrible relationships and they then had the the courage and the power in order to um or 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 the opportunity or whatever that allowed them to end a relationship that wasn't serving them anymore i just think that that's so incredibly important and i really you know i do hope now that i'm going through the actual like divorce proceedings which is just the worst freaking thing in the world which is just so awful that mm. that it's so um that it's so difficult and also um th- there's a lot of bias in in the process hmm. um and i how, really how so? so like for example if you're so both me and my partner my partner now who's getting divorced from from his ex-partner um, both of us were the petitioners for the divorce, even uh, though both of us were the ones who actually got broken up with, we're just the nicer or like more, um, whatever we're, yeah, we're nicer. We're the, we're the ones who are actually doing the work that are like, okay, fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll file the paper. Like we'll get the it done. Peacemakers. A little yeah, bit we're of the peacemaker. Peacemakers. That's okay. 100%. Yes. We're definitely yeah. the givers and the peacemakers of the relationship. So we're the ones who are doing all the divorce papers. We've realized now that was a huge issue for us because mm. since we're the petitioners, we are automatically seen as the bad guys. So oh, interesting. We have to release our financial records more than our um, than the respondent does. Um, if we basically, if we said something in an agreement saying like, you know, we want to. Um, split things up this way and the respondent responds and says, no, we're not doing it this way or whatever. Um, the respondent kind of gets more, uh, like they get more grace or like more attention is paid to their response than to our initial agreement because they're just thinking that we're the, you know, the ones who started it and it shouldn't matter wow. who is the one who filed the paperwork. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's been really so weird. <laughs> It it's it's got to be rooted in some patriarchy you, you know is, or 100%. something yeah wow um 
I'm sorry. That's shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it is I hope shitty. it ends soon. I yeah, the light room at the end of it, so it'll be good. But I have to say, it's definitely like one of those things where I just I I really hope that in my lifetime I see the dissolution of the, some of the patriarchy that's built into marriage in yeah. every capacity. Um, yeah. because there is a so much of it, and it's really um it just makes you know the the most difficult decision of ending a relationship after 10 years it makes it so much harder in when it you should be surrounded with like support and love for making this difficult decision and that's unfortunately yeah. not at all what happens yeah it's i think about my parents marry uh, marriage from time to time to my mm -hmm. detriment uh they were married for like 30 plus years and yeah. they should have got divorced pretty early on um yep. they they got well they did get divorced and then they married each mm -hmm. other again and then they divorced again uh-huh uh, -huh. uh he, and he, you know he cheated for 30 years and you know it was just like uh, very abusive it was it was a nightmare um to be witness to but anyways the the thing that i love about what you're saying is the is the part that the ending being this transformational thing right like mm -hmm. yes it's lost and it's hard and the proceedings are <laughs> steeped in misogyny and patriarchy and it's transformational right like yeah. i just spoke with mike bender who is the co-founder of awkward family photos on the show and he wrote this picture book called the end is just the beginning and it's all about mm -hmm. that like he he got the idea for the book like watching his kids like mourn endings like mm -hmm. even an example of which is like mourning the end of dessert like mourning yep. the end of this television program mourning you know yep. mourning the end of the day right right and him sort of seeing that and 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 writing a little picture book about how endings can be this transformational thing. And I would True. say the same is for your case, right? You had this end yeah. and now you have this new beautiful opportunity where you and your current partner can be in empathy with each other as you're both yeah. going through the same thing and be there for each other. And 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 you've learned so much because of this previous relationship, you know, you know this stuff. Yep. Yeah. No, totally. It's interesting because my my partner has two kids, actually, okay. a five year old and a nine year old. And watching them, um, I've always wanted kids, so it's really wonderful for me to have this be the start of of um, our version of family, whatever that's going to look like. And that's that's certainly like just watching them have difficulty with change but mm. also those ending things and i think that unfortunately like my parents got divorced when i was five mm -hmm. and it was an awful like divorce like they mm. um it my so much of my childhood is uh, my memories are all the arguments the um difficult situations that I was put in. And, um, and it, I mean, to the point where it was, it was really, um, violent and police had to be involved at some point. Like it, it was, it was really difficult for years. Yeah. Um, I mean, until I went to college pretty much. So like 13 years was, was them 
arguing over us, basically, me and my sister. And I, you know, certainly know that with my divorce and then watching my partner with his, you know, his divorce, like so much better as far as like focusing on that transformation is a good thing. Mm. Um, and I think that unfortunately, sometimes we are, you know, dealt experiences where we don't choose the transformation and we don't choose the ending. And we have to figure out how it is going to be a positive thing for us in the end. And I, and I certainly have a real issue with the, toxic positivity and just being like everything is going to be fine and everything is happy and I'm certainly not at all saying that that's should be the mentality. Yeah. Um but I do you know think that even just focusing on one small way that your current situation is um going to be beneficial to you in the future is is like all we can do sometimes is just focus on one small thing. Yeah. And um absolutely. and then maybe in a week or two you'll find another small thing and whatever and just you just hold on to that and I think that's that's my version of toxic positivity or positivity in general is just focusing on the tiny little things yeah. that can help us get through the day sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had that experience growing up. That sounds hard. Yeah, I was. Yeah. And and what you're describing doesn't sound like toxic positivity to me. Toxic po- <laughs> toxic positivity is bypassing wholeness, right? It's yeah, it's, yeah. You're you're holding on to some like joy in this experience, you know, or or a positive attribute of it, but you're not denying yourself the hard stuff too as part right. of it, right? Yeah. Right. So. You, let's talk about more than you see a bit. You know, this is yeah. your podcast, your your company. Um, when when I, I mean, obviously, I made a joke of it out at the top and referenced yeah. the fact, the true fact that I did get kicked out of a water park as a teenager for life. They had my picture I, up in the office, that's, which is a nightmare of a kid. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so, what is like? What does that? What does more than you see mean to you? And has it changed since you started it four years ago? Um, I mean, fantastic questions. I would say it hasn't changed actually that much. Um, it, I mean, it started as a platform and as a um, an online resource, and it has now um, expanded into a podcast as well. But I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think that the the core belief is still there and and the core belief is just this idea that we are all multi-layered humans and that we have masks that we hide behind um and that I think that it's important and and I I personally think that these masks are sometimes very important because um like as an actor I don't need everyone to see, you know, every single emotion that I'm experiencing. Um, you know, like if I was at a press junket and I was feeling really stressed or overwhelmed or, you know, my partner's kids broke my toe that morning or like whatever happens, I like you still, I still in that moment would still have to be professional and like hold myself together and, um, deliver, 
you know, whatever I needed to do in that moment. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. we all have those things. And I think that it's important to, for those things to be there. But I also think that oftentimes we hide behind those masks and we don't um, ever take them off with the people that we should, our friends and our family and the people that we really trust. Um, And so the reason, you know, when it started, it was, it was at the start of my marriage ending or the end of my marriage ending. Um, And at that same time, I had a really good friend in Australia die suddenly from Mm. a heart condition. And it was Mm. something where he was giving a presentation at work. He's an engineer. um, And he literally like had a heart attack. He was 32, had a heart attack in the middle of a presentation. And he died before he got to the hospital. He had nothing, nothing was wrong. Like most perfect human and health, you know, just, it it was, it was such a tragedy. Mm. And I, so I was dealing with that loss as well as the loss of my relationship. And I was that like, that broke me. Like both of those things on top of each other were just so much awful. Yeah, Yeah. So much. And I couldn't, um, you know, I definitely had, had weeks there where I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't, I was in such a dark, depressive state. And the only thing that I was able to do was walk my dog. Um, mm. and it was so wonderful to like have something that I could put my focus and attention on that was external and to still be able to care for this creature that was relying on me. That was the only thing that I could manage. Yeah. And I started listening to um, podcasts and just was hiking and listening to podcasts. And I listened to an interview with Zachary Levi, and he was talking about how he was super, um, was really struggling with suicidal thoughts um, between like after shooting, I don't remember if it was the first Shazam or... I don't know. It was, it was basically like, it was a couple years ago, but it was right after he had shot a big project and he was saying just like how he was the most depressed that he'd ever been in his life. And, um, and how he went to this like inpatient center that focused not just on therapy, but also on meditation and exercise and, um, and, you know, reading about different aspects of our brains and, you know, all of this stuff, just like really taking a holistic approach to mental mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. And that was so impactful to me. Number one, to listen to this actor who I've admired for so long. And he's really been um, like his work has been something that I've really loved, you know, for years. And this was really before actors were really talking about their mental health. So to hear an actor talk about how he was having, you know, suicidal ideations, and then to hear how this holistic approach is what really helped him, I was like, well, this is amazing that he has this, but I feel like everyone needs this. Everyone needs to have these like non-traditional mental health resources that are outside of the things that we cur- that we you know are often prescribed in order to help us in situations, and so that's how the idea of um, more than you see started was was to focus not just on 
you know, meditation and nutrition and going to see a therapist and whatever, but also on the fact that like an entrepreneur book could help you or a TED talk about, um, you know, the importance of sourdough in your life, like whatever it is, like there's so many different things that I think that we all encounter in our day that will help us elevate our understanding of ourselves and the world and like our own brains and other people's brains and whatever. And so I have just like a wide range of different mental health resources on the site. And my, you know, real goal for it is so that people can kind of like have their own mental health toolkit that they're like, you know, I I like to listen to this one podcast episode and watch this one video and listen to this one song. And that's the thing that is going to help me when I'm, you know, in darkness. Um, And so, you know, this is something that like, I have huge goals for how I want this to continue to grow, um, both in my, when I started the podcast, the focus on that was really both tiny little tidbits so that people, again, someone could just listen to 20 minutes of me talking about the importance of changing your environment. And then that would remind them that they need to go outside or change their mm-hmm. workspace or whatever. But also I really focus on interviewing actors, um, directors, anyone who who has these external internal personas that they really have to struggle with. Um, because I do think that it's so important for the people that we look up to, to be transparent about their own struggles, because it makes us all feel less alone when we are having our own struggles. So, I mean, I would say the way in which it has changed is that I have so many huge ideas of how I want to continue to grow it. And I wish that I was a million people um, (laughs) and that I I could focus so much attention on it. Cause of course, you know, I've got to pay my bills and do all the other things that we have to do. Hashtag adulting. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. For sharing all that. It's, I, I love this idea of masks, right? And and mm-hmm. I think w- you're right in the sense of you're right in all of it. But the piece that I sort of latched onto is this idea that masks can be uh, crucial and part of our survival, right? And part mm-hmm. of our getting through something that we really need to get through, uh, and at the same time, they could be limiting, they could be bypassing, they could be damaging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the key ingredient for me in my experience is those masks or armor or whatever you want to talk, however you want to describe it, we need to bring awareness to them and, and understand exactly. why we are using them, why we have right. them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And understand too that like, the mask we wore yesterday may not even be relevant to us today. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I think you're right that like, there are moments where like in my utopian vision of the world where I do mm-hmm. have lots of people who are helping me build a feely human empire mm-hmm. and I don't, and it's just right. me and I get overwhelmed every day. Mm-hmm. But in my utopian dreamer world, you know, we are, we're all sort of, you know, I'm, 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 
bumping into strangers and we're talking about like our feelings we're we're mm-hmm. talking about like oh man i just like uh like i my job today really took it out of me you know fuck capitalism am i right you know and they were just like mm-hmm. we go a deep dive and we we hug and we cry and like that's the world i want to live in you know totally. um but also that's unsafe for a lot of people right mm-hmm. you know i'm talking from a a place of privilege you know i'm talking as a white cis man who's mm-hmm. operating and, and sees the world up here you know mm-hmm. and and not everyone's going to feel safe to do that so like yeah. how are we honoring those masks how are we bringing awareness to them when they're not allowing us to grow right it's mm-hmm. it's messy it is i mean i would say i i, I love your idea of of a utopian world and sign me up um, but I do have to say that I think that the, the issue is that not everyone knows how to deconstruct their own feelings and, um, and not try to look to external people in order to solve our problems or solve what's going on in our life or whatever. And I think that that is is something that I really try to encourage my community is to absolutely be vulnerable and open about your feelings and what's going on, but also to like have the self-aware, have self-awareness and have agency over your own feelings, not just in showing up for yourself and advocating for yourself when it comes to your mental health and being like, I think this is wrong. I need more help in this way. Or, you know, to focus on your intuition and and to really like be your own advocate, but also to, um, to know sometimes to know our own boundaries and to, and to know and respect other people's boundaries in, in knowing what is important to bring up to someone else and what isn't like for an example I'm no I'm speaking very abstractly but like for example I feel like in this new relationship that I'm in or with my new partner there's certainly like sometimes these you know I'll have a conversation with him about something that's like been irking me mm. and um and we'll have a conversation about it to the point where it is now like basically solved but it's still it's, it's still, I'm still struggling with it internally. Like it's still something that's, that's bothering me. Even if he gave me the exact answer that I want, or we were able to like get through it, it's still something that's bothering me. Yep. And I really feel, and this is something that I'm working on with my therapist as well as just by myself to be like, okay, this is, this is my problem now. Like, this is something that like, I need to to continue to examine and like, am I now focusing on this because this is something from my childhood? Is this something because I'm actually worried like this emotion is actually not this emotion. It's actually this fear about this other thing. Like I really do think that, um, that like not only do we need to be more open, you know, in the, in the world to other people, but also to, to like, do the really hard shit about our own selves and and know when we're wrong and know when we're dwelling on something and know that we need to like continually examine our emotions on every level yeah. and and try to like find the whys for those like why are we feeling like this and 
Um, and I think that it makes us such, um, then it allows me to show up more empathetically and um, in a more supportive way for my partner. Um, because then I'll also like know that like, if they say something in the future that maybe like bumps that, that I know that they're not doing it to try and harm me. Like this is, this is my thing that I'm still struggling with. This isn't, you know, and I think that again, that self-awareness and, and that self, um, understanding about like, okay, this is my thing I need to like focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's okay that we have all of those things. Like, yeah. Again, this is just what makes us human and multi-layered and all of yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. I think you're absolutely right. It's why I always say we have to go inward before we go outward. And that mm -hmm. that totally. cycle is perpetual, right? Like yes. we we the inward always precedes the outward, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and it's you know, to you your in your example, it's a perfect one. Um in those moments in my marriage a thing that has been useful for me is to remind myself, just telling myself, oh, we're on the same team. We're mm -hmm, on the same totally. team here, right? Like, right. she's never out to like, get me. She's never out right. to like, hurt me, really. You know, she's right. never out to like, whatever, right? She'll say something that I may interpret as like an attack, right? But like, right. it's not an attack. We're on the same team. Let's investigate mm -hmm. that, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Absolutely. So... I've been doing, I just started this new pod, like spinoff podcast series called okay. Mo Movies That Make Us Feel. Oh, amazing. And it's it's only on Patreon and it's been a lot of fun. And the first episode was on Turning Red, uh, which mm -hmm. is a, a movie I love. And mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering what are some of the movies that make you feel? Um, it's funny because I... I think for me, I mean, I love like so many films and I love to feel and whatever, but I would say that as soon as you said that, the things that jumped out to me are the things are the movies that had um, an impact on my life at a very particular point in my life. Mm -hmm. um, the first spider or like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Same Raimi. Yeah. Yeah. Like that movie is so was so important to me like that was the first movie where i was like oh man i want to do this mm. as far as like being an actor and i still can remember the like excitement and the nervousness and just like like full body chills that i got when i saw like the marvel flip like this was like you know the start of the marvel empire that it is now mm -hmm. but i still remember like how excited i was mm -hmm. to like be immersed in that film. Yeah. Um, I would have one. to say that like the, and these are both like big spectacle movies, but like the, the, the next movie that made me feel similarly was actually this most recent Dune. Uh, and it was yeah. like that movie as well. I just like, I felt like transported out of my, what was going on in my life and my world and was able to just like, I felt like it was an experience. Like it was a movie going experience that was just really impactful for me. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, you know, everyone has different things that I think that they're trying to get from a movie. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think that's both like in the movies that we choose as well as the, 
you know, what our, you know, brain is thinking about or processing as we go into a movie. Um, I personally love movies that allow me to escape and that are universal, that have some kind of universal theme. And I think that the movies that are, to me, I think the most impactful um, are the ones that are potentially the ones that are blockbusters that can reach the masses, but that have some lesson that we need to learn in it. Sure. And I just, it's like, you know, giving your dog a, a pill with wrapped in peanut butter. Like, I just think that, <laughs> that those kind of films are just really important for the world and important for, for like art in general. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think, well, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, there's stories, right? And stories mm-hmm. transport us. Stories are empathy. You know, it's why Roger Ebert said movies are empathy machines. We mm-hmm. relate to characters. We're inspired by characters. We're inspired by the themes of the story. We get lost and that's an escape. And escape and imagination is a huge part of empathy and feeling, totally. right? And um, yeah, I love that. I loved the recent Dune Um I love Sam Raimi. Like I will watch mm-hmm. anything Sam Raimi. So the first Spider-Man was, was great. Um, mm-hmm. The most recent one for me was everything everywhere all at once. Have you seen yeah. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So good. Also, I, uh, yeah. I was bawling. Like I just, like I, t- I had to take like a few minutes before leaving the theater. Cause I was just like, <gasps> I was ugly crying. It was so yep. just, mm, I loved it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I feel <laughs> the same. Uh, yeah. The next one we're doing, um, is with my friend, Jess, uh, we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, Harriet the spy. Have you ever seen oh, that? No, but my mom's name is Harriet. So I read okay. a lot of Harriet the spy growing up. So yeah, this was like early nineties and I think it's Thora Birch. Oh, no way. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I haven't Good seen it in ages, so I'm looking forward to the rewatch, but yeah. yeah. It's That's a, such a good it's, idea. It's a fun outlet. I, I'm I'm just a film nerd. I movie like movies have always been very. I mean, books as well, but movies have always been very transformative for me growing up mm-hmm. and escaping through them. And we never had like cable or anything, so we just had this little VHS player, and we just and we had this local independent movie rental place, and we just watched the shit out of movies, mm-hmm. and you know That's so. Awesome. I have a deep connection to, to movies. So yeah, it's going to be well, fun. Well, now I know um, when you're on the More Than You See podcast, what we're going to be talking about is movies <laughs> because that's, a, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Deborah, let's talk about empathy heroes. Um, yeah. So this is the part of the show where my guests and I uh, Mention someone in our lives, could be a character from a story, a book, movie, etc. Someone just hits us in the empathy feels, someone who's empathetic and compassionate and meets us where we're at and uh, all of those things. I'm going to go first mm-hmm. to name my empathy heroes this week. My empathy heroes are really anyone who votes. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that, everyone? Vote. Right now, I, I'm in Orange County and we have, you know, across the state of California, we have a lot of important voting going on right now right. in May of 2022. And so, and a lot of like key, key voting. So 
make sure to do your research. I spent a few hours the other day just researching candidates and policies and endorsements and all these things. It's important. It's a crucial part of collective care. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a crucial part of mental health, right? Like Mm -hmm. some of these policies impact our healthcare systems and our uh, mental healthcare systems. So do your research, please vote. Even if you vote for, you know, someone I may not vote for, just vote. Like it's an, it's a crucial, I, I think it's a duty. I think it's part of our collective response. That's, that's important. So if you're voting, you're my empathy hero. That's me. Mm-hmm. I love it. How about that's you? Great. I don't, I don't know if I can follow that up. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a competition, Deborah. I concur. Um, I, I, I would say, I think my empathy heroes this week are, um, are my partner's two daughters. I think that like, the ones who broke your toe. Yeah. In my theoretical example, <laughs> they're just like really um, like energetic, excited kids. So um, I love it. But I just think that like, they're so emotionally aware. Um, and my partner is so incredible at allowing them to <laughs> check in with their feelings and problem solve because of checking in with their feelings. Mm. And so not only, I I just think that, that not only do they show me a lot of like love and kindness and, and allowing me to um, be welcomed into their home and into their lives, but also watching them deal with their big emotions that they have as children. It is teaching me more about my own um, interaction with the world and with people Mm. and that kind of thing. And it honestly makes me like watching them makes me excited about the future more. And I, um, you know, I, I talked, uh, I was talking to my mom the other day and I, and I was mentioning this to her about how, you know, when they have like a tantrum or something, my partner will say, um, well, you know, what are you, what are you feeling right now? What's going on? Like, what is this about? What are you feeling? And I, and I said that to my mom and she said, and I love my mom. We have a wonderful relationship, but she said, yeah, I don't think I ever asked you how you felt. Mm. And I laughed, but I also was like, that's what I actually think that's 100% true. Like that, like feelings were not a part of growing up for me. Um, and that's unfortunate because they still might, childhood experiences have now like a really huge impact on my life and my relationships now. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they would have asked, if either of my parents would have asked how we were feeling about our current situation, potentially things wouldn't have been that as bad as they were because then they would have seen like, Oh, this actually is really impacting our daughters. Maybe we shouldn't be such assholes and, you know, like pull our shit together. Um, but you know, I just think that it, it really makes me um, excited about the future of our world when I like see these little humans that are focusing on their, their feelings um, first and foremost about how they relate to the world. I just think that that's, it's really, really important. And, um, and I think that that is building towards the better utopia world that you were talking about before. Yeah, one 
one feely kid at a time. That's right. Yeah. I love it. That's Mm -hmm. great. That's so cool that you get to be a part of that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's great. I feel very grateful. Hmm. Well, Deborah, where can the feely humans out there connect with you, learn more about more than you see, uh, watch your movies, all of that stuff? (laughs) Um, I mean, I would say that where I'm the most active is Instagram. Um, And, you know, I always love to connect with people on there. Um, And so my Instagram handle is just my name, um, Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H underscore L Smith. And um, on there, you can then find uh, the More Than You See Instagram. And um, I'm active on there as well. Again, I, I run that myself. So um, all of that is me. I'm also on TikTok and Twitter and Facebook. Um, my, you know, my uh, stage name, my actor's name is Deborah Lee Smith. So you can pretty much, if you search for that, you'll find me um, everywhere. And if you type that into Google, you'll find my movies and you know more things about me um and i would have to say you know like i my podcast more than you see is on you know all podcasting platforms um i i feel like it's it's an ever changing evolving uh machine that i have over there and i'm i really have built it for my community so if you listen to it and you want um, me to address a specific topic or try to bring on a specific celebrity or whatever. Um, I'm so open to people's feedback and comments and suggestions because I really feel that, you know, it's, it's not just my mental health journey that I'm uncovering on this podcast. It's really everyone's and I want this to be a communal experience. I love it. Have you had Zachary Levi on your show? Not yet, but he's he's definitely going to be he's it's going to happen. I feel it. Good. For sure. Good. Yeah, he's on the list. Exciting, exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, listeners, all those links will be in the show notes at feelyhuman.co. Deborah, thank you so much for being a part of Empathy. Thank you so much for having me. This was really really lovely. Yes, I I think so too. Made lovelier <laughs> by you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here, we're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy.